Welcome to the Mike and You Podcast. This is your boy, the Mike A16 on Twitter. Hit me up. I am not with my main man, I am UNKC right now, because we practice social distancing. Social distancing. I can't even say that word right. But y'all know y'all boy the Mike can't pronounce some words. But anywho, uh, first and foremost, we'd like to say, Happy Easter to everybody, Good Friday, Passover, whatever you celebrate, wish y'all the best. Uh, it, it is April, so I'm going to give you some April National Month stuff. First one is National Alcohol Awareness Month, National Child Abuse Awareness Month, National Autism Awareness Month, National Jazz Awareness Month and National Month of Hope. With this pandemic going on, we need all the hope that we can get. Uh, you, I know uh, uh, autism is very close to your heart, but the mic want to ask you something. The jazz. Jazz music is like a lost art nowadays. What is, well, who is your favorite jazz artist? The mic is Kenny G, only because that's the only person he knows in the jazz genre. But anyway, let me know yours. What's up? This is I am UNKC. What it do? And the question was asked, who is my favorite jazz musician? I got a lot of them. Um, I didn't just recently get serious i had it for the last couple months but they got a they got a seriously jazz channel but you know dizzy gillespie louis armstrong the classics uh the count of course you know it, it's just one of them things where i don't really it's just the old stuff um charlie parker um that's those are the ones that's coming to mind ella fitzgerald Billy Holiday, all the old ones, cause I like the old style music. As you as you know, and probably have heard me say it on the show before. Now let's get to the show, brother. So you, Wimbledon, seventeen years ago, Wimbledon did this crazy insurance policy that I said is crazy right now back then but it paid off 17 years ago they started paying two million dollars a year for a virus insurance policy so basically they paid 34 million but now they about to receive 141 million dollars off of this two million dollars a year uh, virus insurance policy. Like, man, 17 years ago, I wouldn't even think about no virus like this. Maybe a chemical virus that United States used somewhere else for war or something, but not on United States soil. You know what I mean? And also, what if the NFL did this? If they would have told every team Donate $2 million to this insurance policy. 
just in case it happens. But I'm quite sure all the sports are going to do it now, get that policy. And I know the NFL would have uh, made what they lose in their revenue and baseball, definitely. Hockey, definitely. NBA, definitely. But NFL is the most powerful sports entity because they worth the most and all that good stuff. But what are your thoughts about that, of having a virus insurance policy? And do you think they're going to go ahead and pick it up from now on? So Wimbledon makes about $289 million every year annually, according to Forbes. And out of this $2 million insurance policy where they, for the last 17 years, they paid a total of $34 million as a whole. The total amount that they've paid over the last 17 years has been $34 million. They're going to recoup 50% of what they normally get in the average Wimbledon season, which is $141 million. I mean, it's a little under half, but those are literally pennies in comparison to what they're going to make. It's a big deal to me and you, but Wimbledon, you know, it's a little bit different. Wimbledon gets $141 million. It was absolutely worth it for them. Because, look, man, they get $289 million a year. $2 million is what? A tenth? I, think, I mean, I, roughly, it's probably like a ninth or an eighth, if I do the math um, correctly. But it's about a ninth or an eighth, maybe nine and a half percent of what they normally get every year. So it was, they could definitely spare it. And now we see who's the smart one. I'm pretty sure guys like Jerry Jones and Bob, I almost said Bob Ross, Um, (laughs) Jerry Jones. Clark Hunt, all those guys, those owners have heard something about some insurance because they got insurance on their other businesses. But I think this is something that the NFL, the MLB, the NBA could look at. We haven't seen. This is unprecedented. So we'll see how what will happen with the other leagues from here moving forward. But Wimbledon, you smart. Once again, this is a unusual style of how we do on the podcast, but we try to make sure that we give you the best quality without all the you know, misconceptions of the breakup with the phone calls. So, you know, bear with us. I promise you we'll be back in the lab together doing, doing it the right way. Uh, but let me talk about Jameis Winston right quick. He... Basically, gave an ad out to Tampa Bay or something like that, and he was quoted of saying, he's honored to lose his job to the greatest of all time. That did not sit well with the Mike, and you know, the goat is the Mike's boy. And uh, 
I don't know, you know, he's trying to be modest. Seamus, I steal shrimp or crab legs or whatever he be stealing. Winston. Uh, the, the reason I have a problem with it is because the goat is 42, about to be 43, and you're half his age. You shouldn't be losing your job to Tom Brady. You shouldn't. You know, if this was like a 30-year-old Tom Brady, sure you should lose it, but a 42-year-old, about to be 43, you don't do that. You know, I think that's – but I understand he's paying respect. But that's a bad look in my opinion. You should never be honest to lose your job at all to anybody, honestly. But also, David Carr, you know, Derek Carr, older brother, David, making fun of him. And David Carr got drugged by the people. And they hurry up. Reminding him who his brother was, Derek Carr. Derek, I'm a Pinto Carr. So what are your thoughts about, you know, Jameis Winston being modest about Thomas Edward Patrick Brady and David Carr tweeting about it? And, you know, one thing about the Carr family, they're very sensitive, you know, they're, they're talk trash to somebody on Twitter, but as soon as somebody, uh, you know, say something to them that they don't agree with or they don't like, they hear you to block them. But anyway, what are your thoughts? The thing about Jameis, my, you know, my, I'm not a huge fan, man. I, I was at one point because I actually thought he'd be decent. I liked his leadership, but then his off-the-field issues always were questionable to me. And seeing this last season where he threw 30 touchdowns, 33 touchdowns, like 30 interceptions, uh, give or take interceptions or touchdowns, seeing that, I realized, and I said it all season, that Jameis just makes bad decisions on and off the field. It's It's not great. And they brought in Bruce Arians, the one of the quarterback whisperers of the league, to try to help salvage their first-round pick that they had five years ago. Didn't work. If they had a, if they hadn't have gone and getting gotten Tom Brady, I don't believe he'd be there anyway. I really don't. I have. I have there is no evidence in this world that is here to prove that because after this fifth year there's no more one year deals he's gonna and it sounds like he wanted the bag 30 million dollars he's not getting 30 million dollars right now shoot Carson Wentz is only getting 20 so you're not that I get that you threw that it, it is what it is but James being modest about Brady. I don't think it was him being modest. I think he was saying that I'm so good it took the GOAT to come and replace me. I, I, I don't think James is modest by any means. I think he is delusional. I think he is not seeing things clearly, but, hey, it is what it is. Um, about his training style, I tend to agree 
about what, because the cars were making fun of his training where they were throwing like a, a swinging medicine ball where he had to duck and dodge uh, swinging medicine balls. They swing it towards his head. He ducks and dodges or whatever. I don't hate it. I mean, obviously, it's not your only training regimen, so I, so it's obviously not that big of a deal. He ain't just out here practicing that only, so it's not that big of a deal. But for the cars to come out and call him out on it, and to, and I think I saw I saw the tweet and it said, "Stop getting your friends to train you." That was out of line I would say they really had no business doing it considering they were probably the, they are probably the ones training Derek Carr and the thing about it is Derek Carr obviously isn't great he's not top 10 he's not top 20 in this league but if you notice if you look at Derek Carr man you see his ceiling he's never touched higher than what he did, I want to say, in 2016 or 17. I'm not looking at the numbers. He's never gotten to that. He's never gotten back to that year that they made the playoffs. I think they made the playoffs that year. That year that he broke something. He broke his leg or he broke his arm or something. And he's never gotten back to that. You don't see that dynam- dyn- those dynamics anymore from him. You see this guy who looks like he's a broken down quarterback now, and he might have to reinvent himself, but I don't think, no, I agree with you on, or a lot of people on the fact that the Carr family shouldn't be talking about Jameis Winston. I mean, I know your brother's still in the league technically, but Jameis will get his shot again. Jameis will get his shot again, and he will get his shot, I believe, this season. He might not be picked up right now, but, hey, it's a long season we got to play. And so I – hopefully Jameis will be ready by the time it happens. But the Carr family just need to kind of relax a little bit. Once again, the number is 816-654-6883. Call and leave a voicemail like the mic is doing right now, or you can leave a text message. But let's go to Brandon Cooks uh, from the St. Louis Rams. I traded to the Houston, Texas for the second round pick that they, uh, Houston got from Arizona Cardinals for DeAndre Hopkins, along with that old bag of black jelly beans, David Johnson. But anywho, what is your thoughts about that, you? So uh, Brandon Cooks got traded to the Houston, Texas Texans from – the St. I mean St. Louis from the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, I think it's a good thing for the Rams. I think they were trying to clear up space anyway. But for the Texans fans, I I I, uh, I know Bill O'Brien is your boy. That's your boy. That's your boy. The Mike. But uh, I I know what he's. I know what Bill O'Brien's doing. He's trying to atone for his sins. That's what he's trying to do. The sin of getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins. But how in the world do you feel? How in the world do you think you're going to replace a a top five wide receiver with a top 20 wide receiver? Brandon Cooks ain't. Brandon Cooks wasn't. 
I'm not gonna say he wasn't worth the deal that he ended up getting um the other season from the Rams, that eighty one million dollar deal. I think it was eighty one million dollars. I want I don't wanna say he wasn't worth that, but let's be real with ourselves. The only reason I wanna say he wasn't worth it is because in the NFL contracts as they get bigger Everybody gets paid, and as a union person, you supposed to take that next step. Even if it's if it's your time to get paid, get paid. That's how that works. Even if it's even if you don't feel your production is up to it, get paid. But if we let's be real with ourselves, D Hop is a top five. D Hop is a top five receiver. And Brandon Cooks is not, but I know Brandon Cooks had issues. Um, not Brandon Cooks. DeAndre Hopkins had issues. Um, he, he and Bill O'Brien bumped heads. Um, I didn't know that until he traded him away. But even still, man. And I will say this: in I don't want to defend Bill O'Brien. He, this is kind of indefensible in my opinion. But I know. For the past, how long, how long, DeAndre, I mean, how long uh, Patrick Mahomes and them been in the league? So for the last few years, ain't nothing been working. They got bounced in the first round one year. They got bounced in the uh, wild card round one year. And then they got bounced last year. Something ain't working. I don't think that was DeAndre Hopkins that wasn't working. I think it's Bill O'Brien, obviously, that ain't working. But Bill... Bills in sole control now. I, I actually thought he was going to try to be like uh, Andy Reid and try to run it through one of his guys, like Nick Casario from, from the Patriots organization. But as we can see, he's decided to be the de facto GM and do it himself, and he's making stupid decisions. Um, it is what it is on that. Jason Kelsey was asked about the parade between the Eagles, who won the Super Bowl two years ago against the Patriots, and his brother team, Travis Kelsey of the Chiefs, who won the Super Bowl this past February 2nd, the Mike's birthday, uh, against the Niners. Uh, Tra- uh, Jason said no-brainer, basically. It was the Eagles. And the Mike agreed. It was the Eagles. That was bigger. But here's the reason. I'm not defending Kansas City Chiefs. I'm just defending facts. The Mike stays in Kansas City. So the fact is that that day it was going to be a negative, record-breaking negative day. It's supposed to be like three feet of snow come. And right before the parade start, the wind just shifted. The weather just shifted, I should say. And it was a nice, decent day. They still had a lot of people out there. And it was still rocking hard in the city party for like the next three weeks matter of fact next month so and they just finally start stop winding down actually and uh that's why the eagles play better but unlike the eagles the chiefs at least see another two or three two bows in their future so eagle fans take that y'all know y'all probably won't see it ever again eagles so Jason Kelsey uh, was asked on a radio show about to compare the Eagles parade to the Chiefs parade. 
and he said the Eagles was better hands down. He was obviously a player with the Eagles when they won their Super Bowl, and he came here as a guest of his brother, Travis Kelsey. Um, so he was just here as a spectator. Uh, I, the question was, do which one was better? It, the Mike obviously said it was the Eagles, and in a surprise note, I will agree with him. I was there at the Chiefs parade. I almost didn't go because it was super cold, and like you, like the Mike said, there were um, there were weather implications. And the last thing I was trying to do, Xander was just getting out of the hospital. It was so much going on for me at that point, but my wife encouraged me to go. Because she and then she made an ill time joke that they might not be back there. And I, of course, did not think that was funny. But uh, she, you know, she tries to be a comedian or whatever. But uh, anywho, um, yes, there was the threat of weather situation, uh, snow and whatnot. And then at the last minute, it moved out. But it was freaking cold that day. But I'm, if you know, if you listen to this podcast enough, you know I try to be as real as possible. If you look at how everything went down, uh, if you were there, to me, the Chiefs parade felt like it. It was their first time ever doing it. It just felt like it was their first time, and. It, I was down there at Crown Center in the Crown Center area, and the buses were just driving by. Like most of the players stayed on the buses. I mean, did ended up seeing Patrick Mahomes and Tyron Matthew and all of them, but it was just from where we were sitting, they were just driving by. It was cool or whatever, but there's a little bit left to be desired in my opinion. But I did have some really good jerk chicken nachos for the record, and I wish I had. And I wish I could remember the name of the food truck that I got them from because I give them a shout out. But I don't. So it is what it is. But no, I agree with Jason Kelsey. The Eagles was better. But I expect the Chiefs to learn from this experiment and to get it right next time. And just to be clear, I know he's a billionaire, but Clark Hunt did just pay for his whole um all the employees of the chiefs to go to the super bowl so cut him a little bit of slack there even though just cut him a little bit of slack sports line put out their super bowl championship favorites and this was after Emmanuel sanders left and they traded buckner to the Colts. They said San Francisco 49ers had the best chance, 25.3%, to be the champs. I disagree. They lost a ton of people, offense and defense. Then the Chiefs was next at 21.9%. I was that that should be higher. Chiefs is the clearly favorite. Baltimore Ravens is the last team with a percentage, a double-digit percentage, 207 then comes the Saints at 9.8, which I think they should be higher. New England Patriots at 6%, which they should be higher. 
Cowboys is at 3.2%. Vikings at 2.8%. Tennessee is at 2.0%. The Rams is at 1.9%. Buffalo is at 1.7%. Green Bay Packers 0.8%. Chicago Bears at 0.7%. The Seattle Seahawks is not even mentioned in it. So I don't know why Seattle is not mentioned in it. And Green Bay is kind of low, in my opinion, at 0.8. And Cowboys is kind of low at 3.2. Even though they got the track record of living off history, they should be higher. Uh, Like I said, New England, to me, New England shouldn't lose in the AFC title game if not the Super Bowl winning it. That's just my opinion. What are your thoughts, you? And you probably can go a little bit slower. And I know you got to dissect each team probably. But let me know what you got. Super Bowl championship favorites. They got the 49ers, and you said the 49ers are 25.3% for Super Bowl champ favorites. And you said it should be lower because they got rid of Buckner and they got rid of Emmanuel Sanders. I completely agree with you. Emmanuel Sanders was pivotal in that game um, and had Jamie G caught him in stride, that might have been a different outcome. I don't believe it would have been a different outcome, but it would have been a better game. Um, They would have made it a little bit more interesting. They would have had that touchdown because he was in stride, boy. He was open. But anyway, uh, they got the Chiefs at 21.9%. You think it should be higher. I agree. They got the Ravens. I don't remember whether you said they should be higher or lower, but I'm – if – is it a guarantee? I'm. Everybody tries to make Lamar a passing quarterback, and I just think he needs to work on passing more. He can – he can continue to run. No, no big deal. No one stopped Michael Vick from running. Just work on his passing accuracy a little bit and become a dual threat. Um, I think he already is a dual threat. But anyway, the Saints are at 9.8%. I normally would, when you originally said that and I heard it, I was like, why would you put them higher? Why would you add, make them higher than that percentage? But then I remembered. They got Emmanuel Sanders. Emmanuel Sanders, he can really come up clutch for you. And the thing about it is the Saints have a a quarterback who can actually deliver it to him in the clutch moments. So, and they got got Michael Thomas as number one. So, you know, he's going to get all kinds of attention on the defensive side. So, you know. I think you are correct in that assessment that the Saints should be higher. Their percentage should be higher. The Patriots are 6%. We don't know anything about their quarterback situation, so I understand why their percentage is that low. Uh, Green Bay, 0.8%. Uh, we got to see what they do in the draft, but obviously this is pre-draft stuff and because uh, there's a lot of uh, – there's a lot of good wide receivers in this draft, and I think Green Bay is going to pick up one of them. Um, hopefully they do. Maybe Jerry Judy. Um, 
There's a couple others. Um, Jerry Judy is the first one coming to mind. I think he, I want to say he's out of LSU. Um, but Green Bay, uh, the Cowboys are pretty low. I just, you know, it is what it is there. So I, I just don't see why the 49ers are that high, really. They should be. At, they could be top ten, but I definitely don't see them as top five. So that's just me. The XFL just announced that they uh, suspended the rest of their season and uh, uh, for next year as well. It's kind of sad, and all these idiots doing an AAF comparison saying AAF lasts longer. No, it did not. Well, technically it did, but it did. XFL only folded because of the pandemic. It was a better product on the field. Had all right, the first two weeks outsold the whole eight weeks that the AAF had. The old XFL got through the whole season and a championship game before they folded. So everybody's doing that comparison about AAF lasting longer than XFL. You're, you're stupid. I'm about to say you're dumb, but you're stupid. Bad comparison. XFL was great. It gave more people opportunity to get to NFL, as you've seen that uh, Jordan, I don't know how to say his last name, from St. Louis Blackhawks is with the Chiefs. P.J. Walker is with the Panthers as a backup quarterback. And a lot more players were signed throughout the process. So it's sad that the XFL had to fold like this. Uh, I do think they'll be back in 2022 because – we get the social distancing rules or laws that's going to take place. Now, this pandemic going to last the whole year, actually. You know, uh, it might be over, but, you know, getting back to normalcy is going to take all year. Of course, there's going to be new rules and regulations and stuff like that. So it's going to be a, a – for the rest of the year, it's going to be a year to adapt to the pandemic. And they say it's going to be like – a flu season, so it's going to come probably every year, so we have to be prepared. So, sorry that my league XFL cave in and already dishing out next year. About this XFL, I didn't really, I don't want to say I bagged on them, but I know I did not watch it for a long time, and then I watched it towards the end. And then the whole COVID-19 situation came upon the world and kind of uh, folded the XFL, um, made them close their doors, unfortunately. So uh, it is definitely sad that the XFL had to suspend everything due to the effects of the coronavirus all the employees and the workers and the personnel got laid off. Um, Mike mentioned that they shouldn't be compared to the XFL. I'm sorry, not to the XFL, but to the AAF. And I am in agreement with that uh, for a couple reasons. One, the XFL was not trying to be or to actually join the NFL. Um, the reports were coming out that the AAF wanted to actually 
uh, be a developmental league for the NFL. And, of course, that didn't work out. They wanted to be their own entity. They they ran things completely different than the NFL does. There's only one owner, and and then there's 32 uh, people who manage the team. So there are no 32 owners. There's only one. That was Vince McMahon. And then you, of course, got uh, Oliver Luck, who is the commissioner of that league. But the 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 AAF revealed their plans to try to do, sell it to the NFL as a developmental league. XFL didn't seem like it had any type of idea of throwing it at the XFL, uh, the NFL. Um, the XFL didn't have any issues paying the players. AAF couldn't even pay their players the first week of play. And that's one thing that's completely different from the XFL to the AAF. There's no comparison there. As far as I'm understanding, uh, the XFL is actually still playing, paying their players, and they might try to re-up later, but at some point, or they're paying their players right now. So it's it's an interesting situation. All of this is like the times that we live in are unprecedented. So the fact that this is happening is just a stroke of bad luck, and it has nothing to do with bad planning. The AAF was just like it felt it was rushed. It felt like it was just not not well thought out, not well put together, not well executed. The XFL this year, looking back on it in retrospect, it looked more like a finished product than uh, the AAF did, and even the XFL in its first version did. So. Um, so I was listening to the radio and um, listening to Cody and Gold but anyway I heard a question on there that I thought was interesting so I figured I'd pose it to you at what age did you feel did you stop feeling that you were invincible because at some point, all of us feel like we there's we can't get hurt, and we act in we might not say it, but we act in a way where we can't get hurt. At what age did you feel like shoot? I guess I'm not invincible. You know, one day the mic was seventeen, and the mic felt he was so invincible at seventeen, and one day he was playing ball. And he went up, caught an alley-oop in a community center. Climber Center, 1301 Vine, inside T.U. Watkins. He caught an alley-oop. Wow. He came down. First time playing in Michael Jordan shoes. He came down on somebody's foot. And the Mike ankle was, the Mike couldn't walk. For two months, it was that bad. And, you know, my mother's black, right? So she didn't take me to the hospital or nothing. But you better take some ibuprofen and some NyQuil and lay down somewhere. So the mic stopped feeling invincible at the age of 17. How old were you? The invincibility thing, I would think 
that happened at about 19, actually. I had a work-related injury, and it made me start thinking. Now, I had a work-related injury, but I went back to work like the next day. It's just I was just a young, stupid kid. I didn't realize that they weren't going to fire me because I had an at-work injury. But I asked, at the time, I thought they were. So I went back to work the next day. I shouldn't have. But it is what it is. Um, made me start thinking. But then probably 21, maybe, maybe 20, I was playing. I was hooping in our yard, and I came down on my ankle. And my ankle swole up. I didn't break anything, but I definitely twisted it really good. And so I had to take a couple of days off work, and I used my vacation. And I didn't want to take that days off work because at the time, I was making tips. And if anybody out there knows anything about a, the tipped industry, uh, you know that if you ain't there, you ain't making no money. You might have a, you might have sick time, so you you can use it. But if you ain't there, you ain't making no money because your money comes in from your tips. So once I realized that, once I realized I couldn't work and make my living, I realized, hey, I need to relax on this whole thing unless I'm going to make money off of it. So that's that's my story. So Once again, thank you for listening to this unusual episode. We appreciate you guys. Quick story real quick. When I was 16, the mic was pretty good at basketball. He was – my stat was going up, being popularity. So I went home one day. I was hungry. I got home from basketball practice. I said, Mom, you know, uh, can you buy me some McDonald's? She said, you know, I said, your car is in the driveway. Can you take me to McDonald's? She said, okay, cool. But then she lied and said, no. She said, walk. I said, Mom, my stat, come, my stat going up. She's like, your stat? What is your stat? I said, popularity, popularity, Mom. I'm getting very popular. You know, I'm good at basketball and stuff. She said, oh, well, baby, you can't walk then, huh? I said, nah. I said, she said, go catch the bus. I said, mom, my stat. Can't nobody see me riding the metro. And she like, oh, so you, you popular, huh? And I said, yeah. She said, you real popular, huh? I said, yeah. She said, are you more popular than Jesus? I said, nah, mom, ain't nobody popular than Jesus. Why you ask that? She said, because Jesus had to walk everywhere he went. So you want some McDonald's? You better go walk. <laughs> Until next time, be safe, be easy. To remember, that be discreet. Deuces.